Welcome into episode 47 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined by a new guest. It's an old friend of mine, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, um, one of the best in the business. If you don't follow him yet, please go look at his stuff. He's incredible. Sean, how are you doing today, man? Doing well, Jack. It, uh Feels good to be doing this with you. First time I've been on the show. Uh, yeah, we've been we've talked about doing this for a long time now. We did a little road trip down to Florida, trip to Gainesville for the last. We we ended Kentucky basketball season together, and uh, I don't know if that's if that's a bad thing, bad luck. We need to stop doing road trips together or what? But uh, we had a you know we we've developed a good little relationship, good friendships, starting all this stuff. So uh, uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been fun doing this stuff with you. Yeah, and if, if we ended the season, hopefully what we did today starts something good. So uh, hopefully this is uh, turning in the right direction for us. Absolutely. So what he's what he's hinting at, we spent the day. Uh, the reason why he is on, on this show right now is we spent the day seeing Kentucky guard, I guess he'd be redshirt freshman guard, Dante Allen for the first time since – what December of 2018 since his big since his his big injury so we drove up to northern Kentucky to go see him work out at Griffin Elite um he's he was working out with his trainer up there so his trainer invited us up there we went to go check him out and pretty pretty freaking impressed I gotta admit on on my end of things but Sean I want you to you kind of have the floor to start things off what were your initial thoughts on Dante from what you saw back in December of 2018 all the way up until two years later now first thing I'll point out there was no brace or any support of anything on his knee which I think is a good sign absolutely uh First time, like you said, we'd, first time I'd seen him since early December 2018, a couple of weeks before the injury. I, I thought he looked good. I thought he, at first, you know, shaking off some of the rust, uh, getting started with some ball handling drills. But once he got into the shooting and the movement, he looked like he's ready to roll whenever they do start transitioning back into workouts. He looks like he's going to be full goal to me. And uh, his body, that was yeah. the biggest thing It looks different from seeing him just on the sidelines in December, January, February. It looks like he has been putting in work, so that's very encouraging. Yeah, so he, the injury happened. Uh, he tore his ACL back in December of 2018. Then he had his car accident where he broke his collarbone in leading into the, the summer leading into this past season. So he has been rehabbing both injuries. You know, collarbones are pretty damn hard to I mean not recover from but it's it's a slow healing process and then you know torn ACLs and then that's one of the biggest confidence boot you know things that you have to overcome mentally more than anything so to kind of combat both of those injuries is I mean it's it's a process and there's a reason that he missed the entire the entirety of this past season Uh, I when I've talked about this on the show before but when UK had their trip out to Las Vegas Back in the winter, there was a little open fan, open media practice that they had, and and I went and watched Dante. I was kind of specifically watching for Dante to see how he was looking, how he was progressing, and I got to be totally honest, um, the confidence was not there. It just it, you you could just tell that he was nowhere near ready to hit the floor, and that's okay. I mean, again, this that's part of it with this stuff. So. I kind of told people behind the scenes, like, man, I, I just don't know if this is if he's going to play this year. That was kind of when people were going, okay, 
right now is when he needs to make the make the decision: is he going to redshirt this year, or is he going to jump back in? Because if he were going to wait any longer after that, I know there were some rumblings late, you know, before the Florida game and some of the some of those late SEC games. There were some rumblings that he might, you know, Cal even touched on it in a press conference said we're kind of thinking about him jumping in and, and playing games and the, the risk reward there of do you waste an entire redshirt year for two three games one game I mean there's just at that point it just wasn't worth it they were an injury away I think from possibly having to move to that I think it worked out well for him mm-hmm. though you want to keep that year and coming off an injury where He's a shooter, so you're talking a lower body injury with an ACL and then the collarbone or the shoulder. So you're you're talking from the bottom up there that he had to recover. And I think today he looked confident. I think that was the one thing maybe me and you noticed right off the bat. His uh, his uncle talked to us a little bit about too. His confidence is back. He's moving. He had some bounce to him. Some of the dunks that he had. Okay, let's let let's talk about that because you know I think his uncle said his his trainer both they both said it. I mean that. He was showing some some bounce that I hadn't seen even since when, even when I saw you know during his high school career I didn't even see what we saw today. Yeah, there was some explosiveness there for sure. He uh, well, he finished the workout with that reverse jam that I thought he tore the rim down, <laughs> and I just looked at you. I was like, wow, this there's a little there's a lot more. Definitely, the strength of his game is his spot up shooting. That's where he's going to make the biggest impact. But we saw some things today off the bounce. Once he got a feel, he can make some moves, and he's so long that. I thought it was interesting that his uncle talked to us about he told him when he had the injury, look, you're not Derrick Rose. You're not going to have to do these things. You're not depending on that explosiveness and that quickness. He's so long. Some of his moves that he made, I mean, he's, he's at the basket. I would like to see him, and hopefully he will at Kentucky this year, tear the rim. Yeah, yeah. Because he left some of them short. He's more of a finesse. But he, he definitely showed us that he can uh, get up there and get above the rim if, if need be. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me out of everything is when he tore his ACL, th- you know, this is not a kid that has ever relied on his his quickness, his agility. I mean, he's never been a, you know, a speed guy. He's never been a, a quickness guy that he's going to beat you off the dribble and, and that's where he thrives. He can, but that's not been, you know, his bread and butter. That hasn't been the bulk of his game. He has always been a finesse, you know, the Kyle Anderson slow-mo, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna outwork you with fundamentals and, and finesse than, you know, rather than just, you know, quickness and, and, and pure agility. His game has always been that. So it's never been about trying to recover that side of things. Like you said, his uncle said, you're not Derrick Rose. You know, stop worrying about getting that side of your game back. Make sure that when you come back, you're polished. Keep improving those fundamentals. Keep showing that you are – a, a skilled basketball player, and that's what I saw today. I mean, so, so kind of transitioning from from you know more on what you ta- what you saw today, but more so in the context of what you expect this season out of out of him. What you know? What are your expectations right now in terms of on court on court production? Well, the one thing we talked about today is he can fill it up. He can shoot the ball, and if if you can do that, you can get minutes. So I think expectations, if he plays 10 to 15 minutes this year coming off that injury, I think that's big for him. And I think the, given the way the roster shakeup is, I mean, there's, there's a spot there. If he works and he gets it, uh, it'll all come down to the, the defensive side. I mean, yeah. if you can score it, we've seen in the past with guys, if they can score it but they can't defend, can't keep them on the floor. But like I said, he's long, he's athletic. I think he has all the tools to be a possibly a 3 and D guy at Kentucky. Yeah. 
And I, I think expectation to be 10 to 15 minutes a game, possibly 20, depending on how some of these freshmen transition. But I, I guess that's the advantage he has. He has been in the program. He did go through some practices. Him and Keon Brooks, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of role on this team, the 10, 15 minutes, where do you expect those minutes to come from in the context of the rest of the roster and, and kind of how do you see him fitting in with the, the likes of B.J. Boss and Terrence Clark? Where, when, when his name is called off the bench for the first time, what, what scenario do you, do you expect? What position do you think he's going to come in and play? You know, what, what kind of role do you envision him having? I think ideally this year the three would be his best spot. I, th- I thought it was interesting that his uncle said that he envisions him as, as a two. Yeah. Which, God, I, that's a big, goodness. long two, man. I mean, he's true 6'7". I, I, my gut is, I, I think I'm a sure 6'3", I believe. And, he, I mean, he was a full head taller than me. So, I mean, he's, he, the size is absolutely yeah, there. And he's added some, some strength and yeah. some bulk to his body, too, which I thought was the most noticeable difference when I looked at him today. But I think the three would be an ideal fit. I, this roster, it's built. So many interchangeable pieces. We talked about Terrence Clark earlier who can play one through three. Uh, B.J. Boston, you mentioned it, could play some small ball four. So I think anywhere in that three, possibly four, if they go to a weird lineup like that with a yep. big, if Olivier Sar is eligible, then you could maybe slide Dante in there to four. I, I just think that he he can fit those two through four, yeah. especially with his skill set. That spot-up shooter, I mean, look, we saw the drill at the end of practice today, that end of the workout. If if he shoots the ball that way, yeah, it's – I mean, I know we build up people, and we build up people in the past, but that shot, even his misses had a chance of going in. Pure. And I, oh, I told you this. I, I told you this. I remember I told you this when I first heard it before the season even started last year. I I'd said it today at practice. I had heard from an individual that was at these – practices that he you know he was watching he saw it happen he said from a pure spot up shooting and this again this is all Dante was even able to do this past year was just you know with how limited he was you know in terms of mobility all he was able to do is just spot up shooting in terms of pure spot up shooting catch and shoot Dante was the best on the team. He was better than Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, you know, at the time. I mean, everybody on the roster, he was better than all of them I had heard going into the year. So I already kind of had my eye, I, I, you know, I had high expectations on, on that front as it is. But seeing him in person today, just that effortless shot. I mean, it's just such an effortless stroke. Again, he didn't make all of them. He's still knocking off the rust. He's still getting that muscle memory back from – everything going on with him but from what I saw today this is a dude that to have Johnny Juzang expectations for this next year I don't think that's over or under I don't think that's overselling him at all I think that's I think that is a fair assessment of what he could be you know Johnny at his best those you know that Tennessee game the Florida game to close out the year those games where he had those you know those spurts of three three makes from three you know two you know that is something that I think Dante could do this year. And two, we haven't got to see it yet. We don't know what it's going to be when he gets in. Like we today, we didn't get to see any open run. We just saw individual skill work and some drills, but we did get to see some things. I think his length, I think he has a chance to be a good defender. Yeah. He, he wasn't an awful defender in high school. He defended his position. 
I think, at that 6-7 frame and the, that wingspan. What was the wingspan comparison last year? Wasn't he in the upper category? I believe so. I believe, yeah. I, when in the, the the combine, I think yeah. that was one of the one of the biggest takeaways, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's that's what I was thinking too. But it, just looking at him, he has all the tools and the piece to uh, fill that role left by Johnny, and maybe that's a thing that gets him on the floor quicker now. Like yeah, we had talked about this. If Johnny had returned it was probably going to be Johnny getting those minutes. Well, now Dante not only has put himself in a position to get those minutes this year, but a year from now, even a bigger role. So we've said this on the show in the past. Terrence Clark, the, the staff kind of sees him as a potential combo guard. He could run the one in, in certain instances later on in the year. I think early on they don't want to – you know, hand him the keys to the offense. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But that's something that they kind of envision and, and hope down the road that that he could potentially do. You see all the highlights of B.J. Boston. That's a dude that can dribble the ball without even thinking twice. That's I'm just telling you right now, that's going to be a superstar. I mean, he's, he's Kentucky's next superstar, B.J. Boston. Without a doubt, he's the guy. So you have those two guys that – are comfortable dribbling the ball and, and bringing the ball up the floor. And, and you know, so they're kind of separating themselves as that one-two easing into the three. I said on the show last week, I believe, um, Keon is the the primary four, but they the staff kind of envisions Cameron Fletcher as the backup five, or the, the backup four, rather, instead of a true three. They kind of want him to be more of that small ball small ball four with Lance Ware, uh, Isaiah Jackson backing up, hopefully Olivier Saar at the five. So those minutes at the three are there. They are. You know, if, if it, we get to a scenario where Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston are one-two, you have Dante Allen potentially at the three, you have Keon Brooks at the four, Olivier Saar at the five. Think of those, think of those scoring possibilities and, and just, you know, how fast that team would be running up and down the floor. I mean – that in itself just sounds just just excellent. He, Cal has an abundance of options with this group. I think that's the most interesting thing when you look at the way he's put this together. Like in years past, I know fans have wanted to see them go to a small ball at times, but yeah. I feel like this year, let's say even if Olivier Saar is eligible and he's in foul trouble, that kind of forces their hand to do some things differently. Yeah, and. Uh, they got so many interchangeable pieces. You yeah. mentioned B.J. Boston. The most recent clip that came out of him yesterday, he literally made every defender look silly. And it wasn't just dudes in a gym out there defending him. Yeah. Terrence Clark was one of them. I don't mm -hmm. know if you saw that clip yeah, or not. I did. I did. And, I mean, he – Terrence just was like, okay, you know, this, this dude's different. And just – I mean, the guys that they have with B.J., Terrence – we've not even talked about Devin Askew and Davion Mintz yet. I mean, yeah. there's so many options on this team. But I do feel like Dante has a role. I think Cal will give him a shot. I think Cal wanted him last year. They did. I mean, the, he, he came out in that press conference and said, I went up and asked Dante, I said, if you want to play today, you are getting in the game. I mean, it, it came down to Dante deciding whether or not he, want, whether or not he wanted to. Yeah. This isn't just some in-state kid, you know, that got an offer from Kentucky because he was Mr. Basketball. We've seen in the past that just because they're from the state of Kentucky doesn't mean they end up at Kentucky. Like I was telling you earlier that – a possible story I'm working on for later in the summer with Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis. Yeah. Those were the two last guys to suit up in a Kentucky jersey from the state of Kentucky. It's not like that this – they just took this kid because he's from Kentucky. Right. I mean, we've seen – This is a top 75 kid this in the country. Kid can play. Yeah. I mean, this – what we, – we talked to Dante a little bit afterward. What did he say? We, we asked him, so how many 50 points game – 50-point games that he hit. Remember. Did he say uh, – he, it was either six or eight. He said uh, – I think it was eight of 12. Didn't he say that? Yeah. He said uh, uh, eight, of, eight of my 12 games. <laughs> it was like 
But you weren't counting, though, obviously. This just, you know, yeah. popped up out of your head. But <laughs> and the one thing, too, from talking to him after that, we stood around, what, 30 minutes and talked 30, to him. Yeah. He, you could tell he's so excited to get back yeah, to oh campus, yeah. you know, on the 28th and to get there and get started. And, I mean, you're talking about a kid who hasn't played basketball in going on two years now. Yeah. I mean, he's ready to get back on the floor and get this thing rolling. I, I, I'm hoping that he has a big year. I, I sat in an office with him a month and a half before he got the offer from Kentucky. And I remember looking at him and asking him the question, would you commit on the spot if Kentucky offered yeah. And he hesitated for a second. And he's like, I'd probably have to think about it. Yeah. Well, then it ended up being the day of the offer. He did, yeah. He committed. But I could tell that day that he wanted the offer. And uh, I think it's a little different when you sit in an office with a kid and you, you can tell. Yeah. Like Purdue actually called while I was in the office with him and his high school coach. And then sure enough, a month and a half later, Dante's a Kentucky Wildcat and just uh, – Great kid. That's the one thing we got to see today. I don't know how much you had been around him before that. Yeah, not not a whole lot because I got hired full-time at KSR going into – so last December. So, I mean, in the heat of his injury and, and you know, kind of the heat of his senior year, that's when they were in the process of, of bringing me on full-time. I would already been, you know, interning. But that was me just writing intern posts after in, intern posts. I didn't have a, a – carved out role at KSR yet so I hadn't even gotten into the recruiting stuff I never even got to go see him play at at Pendleton like I that's the the extent of what I've seen has been on film leading up to you know and then my trip out to Vegas seeing him you know struggle against everybody you know everybody else on the roster and definitely not looking you know looking ready to go yet and then today that's that that was the extent of what I've seen he hit his stride that July that yeah. period, that July period when Cal watched him, July of 2018, that's when he really hit his stride. And I, I expect big things from him. I mean, you're talking about a kid that won Mr. Basketball, and he didn't even play the last two and a half months of his season. Isn't that nuts? So, Isn't that crazy? And, uh, he did enough, though, in those 30, 30 days, 40 days of the season. I mean, like you said, 50-point games left and right. Now, I don't want people listening to this to assume, like, he's going to come in, he's going to average 30 points a game, and he's going to be, you know, the next big thing out of, out of Kentucky from day one, like – we do want to stress that this is going to be a process. The, I mean, there were some – there were, you know, you could definitely tell that he is gaining confidence. I think he's confident, but I think it's still a, a process that, that he's gaining that momentum and, and learning. I mean, the first, first thought that we had when he first got there, he was doing some ball handling drills, and, you know, you could tell it was just kind of loose a little – you know, just a little bit that it, it, that it just – he didn't look the part yet of, you know, to start practice. We were like, hmm, that – you know, not not necessarily what I was hoping for on first glance, and it was a process that from start to finish of this workout, to start with, you know, he looked like a C plus player. By the end of it, he was an A plus player. I mean, it was a you could tell he's he's not one of those guys that can just walk into a gym and you know scorch the nets from day one. He you know from minute one, he's a guy that he's still knocking the rust off and getting that confidence and getting that muscle memory down. And, and, you know, when he, when it clicks on the floor, that's when, that's when you can start seeing, you know, 30 makes in a row, 40 makes in a row. I think, what did his uncle say? He made in a 30 minute drill, he hit 500 threes or something ridiculous. Nuts. Just ridiculous numbers. And there's going to be a transition when he gets back on the floor. We don't really know what he did in those practices from Christmas on. I, I, I know a lot of it was spot-up shooting, but he did start moving through some of the pregame stuff. He would move quickly through the drills. But 
I don't really know what those practices were with him. Did he do some running stuff up and down the floor, some transition? I, I don't know. But you have to think whenever he does step back on the floor and it, it's a live five-on-five, there, there's going to be a little bit of a mental hurdle there to get over. So yeah. it will take some time. But the one thing that I come back to is his shot looks good. He was moving well. Like you said, the longer we went through those drills, the more confident he got. It might be one of these things where it takes him a little bit to shake the rust off. Maybe he struggles off out of the gate a little bit, but until he gets his feet wet, and then I think he'll be okay. I The only thing that I'm hoping for from on Coach Kyle's end is trust. I, I, I don't want this to be a situation. One of the most frustrating things to me was Derek Willis during his time in Kentucky when Derek w- would miss two shots in a row or it just sometimes just one shot. He was instantly yanked, almost almost instantly, because he was at the beginning a l- slight liability on defense, but he wasn't able to contribute what he was brought in to do, which was knock down threes and you know be be one of those stretch stretch fours. He wasn't able to show off those offensive skills because he wasn't in long enough to get his groove, and that's my only thing. What we're sitting here talking about with with Dante Allen, he's one of those guys that is he going to make shot one. I don't know yet, but he's going to make shots three through ten. So is he going to be able to get to shot three? Is he going to be able to get to shot ten? That's my only concern is that he's going to be one of those guys. Same thing that happened with, with Johnny Juzang. What was the most frustrating part of watching him play this year is that he flat out, you know, he'd miss one shot and Calipari would pull him and he'd, he, you know, he'd finish the game with seven minutes. You know, will he – Will Dante be able to be Dante Allen at Kentucky? That's my only. That's my only concern. I think that'll definitely happen year. You know, year three, year four. I guess would be his redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year. But I'm hoping that he's allowed to. You know, have a little bit of leeway this upcoming year. Yeah, and that and that drill we saw at the end of practice today. I think he had to hit ten threes from all five spots. So two corners, two wings, and the top of the key. He completed it in what less than four minutes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we recorded half, every, we, re- we recorded every single shot, and it was I mean it was quick. I, mean, I think a couple of spots, maybe eight of ten. Yes, somewhere through there, a couple of five in a row, six in a row. But yeah, and then, then he got tired toward the end of it yeah. on the uh, final wing. But yeah, we we saw a lot today, and a quick what hour and fifteen minute workout. Yeah, a couple of like other that. guys were there working out as well. But um, he's a guy that in high school played with the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. and he was he had to create and do some things. So he has some skill set to him, and I, I, I you saw it. You looked at me a couple times today and said, man, the ball looks good coming out of his hands. It does. So, uh, definitely excited about him. And I think he's a very interesting piece to see how this ro- – it's, it's, it's a weird roster. Yeah. It's almost everyone's new. I know we're used to that here, but it just feels like this year. How many names just, did we count that were going to be brand new on the roster, well, including counting, walk-ons? Counting uh, Isaac DeGregorio, there'll be ten new faces Jeez, on the roster. man. So, six – well, seven incoming freshmen, six on scholarship, and then three transfers. Uh, it's – you don't see that. Ridiculous. You see weird stuff happen here, but you don't see that. That's unprecedented. But it's Absolutely. unworldly talent at the top yeah. of this class, and that's what separates it. T- talk to me about the you know, because we haven't, you know, publicly, oh, you know, we've talked about it on the phone once a week about our thoughts on the roster, but, you know, I haven't gotten your public thoughts on what this team can be, the potential. And, by the way, we're in the KS Bar office right now, so what you're hearing, you know, possibly in the background is the screeching of the of the KS Bar chairs down low. So I apologize if that's distracting, but that's that, that's that's life having a, an office above uh, above a restaurant so what are your complete thoughts on the roster top to bottom 
potential-wise? What do you think this team could be um, day one of, of the season versus end-of-year March Madness? Well, we've talked about it a lot, like you said. Quite and, a bit. <laughs> and there, and there, were, there was a point where I texted someone early April. I was concerned. I was yeah. like, I don't know what this is going to look like. But then as the spring went on, you see the videos of B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark getting better and better. And I know it's, it's not just – they're not just going out and shooting balls. They're literally working out with professional trainers, Darren Collison, taking them through those workouts. But as far as the roster, I mean, early expectations, I think it will be similar. I mean, there's a lot of new faces. You, we know there's going to be struggles. But by the end of the year, I, I think if Olivier Sar is eligible, they have the pieces to be a Final Four contender yeah I mean it's obviously going to go on the perimeter as BJ Boston Terrence Clark go I think we can all agree if those two are as good as advertised Kentucky's not going to have any problem being a final four contender and then if Olivier Sars is eligible and you get that rim protector that back to the basket big seven foot a guy that's an all ACC center it's not a guy that did it in you know the Patriot League or no no offense to those guys that have but you're talking an all ACC guy who dominated Duke dominated Notre Dame dominated all the programs that you're used to seeing on ESPN primetime 7, right. 9 o'clock. Absolutely. That's the difference in this one. And it, it's a guy that Kentucky needs on the roster. And if they have it with sophomore Keon Brooks and the other pieces, Davion Mintz, Devin Askew, I think this team will be one of the top two in the SEC and probably be a one or two seed going into the NCAA tournament. If It all depends on how they do with that early part of the schedule. There's a lot of tough games. They just can't strike out on all those games like they have in a couple of times in years past to get a four or five seed. Yeah, I, I, I'm I very concerned of Olivier Sars' eligibility. That is that is my only concern right now because outside of him, the guards I am not concerned about at all. I, I, I think B.J. Boss and Terrence Clark are – they need to be superstars, and I think I think – I don't want to say they're a guarantee – but they're about as close to a guarantee of being the next De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Tyler Eulis, Jamal Murray, that dynamic guard duo. They are – They are. It, it seems like we are trending toward those two being the next yeah. dynamic duo in the backcourt. Yeah. Not worried about them. I think as off, you know, non-primary, you know, backcourt guys in Devin Askew, Davion Mintz, those two – know their roles, and I think that's why they're perfect with the rest of the backcourt. So, as a whole, you know, in terms of the two stars and the two clear clear role, role player guys that are going – that know their role, know how to carve out, uh, you know, know that, okay, we know Devin, Devin Askew is going to be a catch-and-shoot guy. Your one job is going to be to, you know, hit a couple threes a game. Davion Mintz, he's going to be a facilitator. His one job is going to be a – you know, run this offense to perfection when Devin Ask, when when BJ Boss and Terrence Clark, those guys, not worried about the backcourt at all. Wings feeling pretty, you know, including including BJ Boss and including Terrence Clark. You know, like we talked about Dante Allen. I, I'm I'm good all the way up until we get to the front court, and then the front court with with Olivier Sar makes him an instant Final Four contender. I mean, I I genuinely think that is a season defining waiver. I mean, it really is. It is, and we've seen it in the past with the Jamal Murray, Tyler Ewis team where the backcourt is superb. And then the front court. it wasn't that the front court was bad. It just – it was missing it didn't match. that one guy that could take the pressure off the guys at the four. Because what happens then if you don't have Olivier Sard, you've got guys playing out of position. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing in that year is Marcus Lee was not a five-man. 
Scalabissier did not figure things out, so Marcus had to move over to the five. That's not where he was supposed to play. I, yeah. And I, d- I don't know if Isaiah Jackson's a true five. He's not. So I feel like that with Sar, you have that option of playing guys where they're going to be the most comfortable, where mm-hmm. they've played at before. And I just feel like that, that you're right, man. That's, that's a waiver that hopefully Kentucky gets something soon. The way the waivers are coming in and with the new NBA draft set up and things like that, the deadline, if, if we're into mid-July and he hasn't heard something, it's, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I mean, when you think of the, the potential replacement options, I don't even want to entertain that possibility because I don't, that's something I just don't even want to like speak into existence or something. Like I, just, I don't even want to entertain that. But I said on the show before, UK is 100% keeping their eye on McCormaker. That's their kind of worst-case scenario. Olivier Saar isn't declared eligible. We're going to go all in on him. They already – I mean, I was told that they would go in on him regardless of Olivier Saar's decision. If McCormaker call, you know, calls him up and says, I, I want to come, you're taking it. he's a lottery talent. You're not going to turn that down in any circumstance. And if anything, it just adds more, you know, adds more depth and, and insurance for you know, injury or foul trouble, anything like that. That is a perfect insurance policy that could has the potential to be a true star uh, in Kentucky system. So that's a guy they're keeping their eye on. But from there, you don't even want to like you just cringe at the thought of of having to come up with a a pure center outside of that. I mean, I, I know they've looked at you, you know some people were talking about that you're on a guy from Oklahoma State. Um, maybe another graduate transfer opens up. You know. In, a, in the next couple of weeks, but that's just not something you want to even rely on no. at this point. You just want the NCAA to do right by this kid. One time. Do just something right. Please, One time. for the love of God, you have, you know, the Enos Cantor thing happened. We've had, you know, people have, have struggled with NCAA decisions recently. UK has tried to help as much as they can with the Jamal Bakers of the world, the Johnny Juzangs of the world. They helped with Quad A Green, trying to get him eligible as soon as he could at Washington. Cal has done his part for this day. <laughs> Do it one time. Please, just just, just, one, just time. one time. And, and when you're looking at the Olivier Sar thing, I, I know Kentucky's one thing they were arguing was he didn't have time to adequate time to make a decision to enter the draft mm-hmm. when Danny Manning was fired. I don't think he was entering the draft regardless. He was like not. Like you said. And I saw some people when, it, when that information came out last Saturday that the draft deadline had been extended to August, there were some people said, well, goodbye, Olivier Sar. Yeah. No, let, let's put that to bed. Right. If Olivier Saar, his number one thing right now is eligibility at Kentucky. It's not to go to the NBA draft this year. Mm-hmm. I think we he put that to rest the other day when UK he, put yep. out the, the video <laughs> and he tweeted the uh, Wildcat emojis. Yeah, like he's excited about getting on campus and this I weekend. I think that's yep. pretty much like, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Kentucky. The only way he enters the NBA draft, in my opinion, is if there's a waiver that doesn't go in Kentucky's favor, and maybe he possibly looks at that, but he wants to be at Kentucky. He does. But the NCAA needs to give him a decision soon so he can have options. But I I don't even want to think about them possibly not. Can you imagine some of the waivers that we've seen be granted in past years? This offseason by itself, yeah. I I talked to Dick Vitale recently. And we said some things on the record, on you know, that I published, but we also had a conversation off the record, and he just was like, you know, Cal helps guys, like you said, get eligible elsewhere. It's time for the NCAA to do something for this kid. And, right. I mean, look, he, I think a coaching change should almost be an automatic. It should. I don't know why that's even – it hasn't been successful in the past for some people, but I feel like in his situation, you know, here's a coach that he had had for three years – 
And it's just unfortunate he's not a grad transfer. Or yeah. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. Well, and that was kind of my thinking was, is there any chance that he can just – up, you know, sign up for some ridiculous online classes at Wake Forest in you know this summer. Just say, screw it, I'm going to take you know 20 credit hours in you know this this summer you know summer courses, and I'm just going to knock out as many classes as I can and become a grad a grad student, and then none of this would even be an issue. Or worst case scenario, he's declared ineligible for the first half of of the year, leading up to you know w- when games matter, but not in the same way as they do in the bulk of SEC play and on. So in an ideal world, you know, if he is denied, I wonder if there is a path for that. I'm. This is me just totally guessing. I don't even know if this is even a possibility. But my first instinct was, man, I, I really just wish that, you know, he were, A, he were a grad transfer, and B, that he could put in the work last second to become a grad transfer. Yeah. Uh, and I think the one thing that we can pretty much put out there is Jacob Toppin will not he's be eligible not. this year. That's that's not. I don't, he's not even entertaining. I don't think. No, I think that was, and I think the staff was okay with that. I mm-hmm. think that was actually what their intentions were to begin with: bring him in, let him get that redshirt year, let him get in the weight room, let him practice. So that, that's one that you you won't have. That's why we haven't even discussed him when it comes to what this roster right. can be. I mean, if you had him, then you you've got some more options there. But yeah, I, I love what Cal did with this class. I, I it was neat to sit back during a time where there were no visits on campus, where you couldn't get, you know, the Matt Harms to, to visit campus and things right. like that. Who, who knows how those recruitments would have gone. But I, I just think it was one of those things where you sit back and you just watched it unfold. We had names that we didn't even know until two days before yeah. they commit. And it just it's kind of interesting to sit back and watch how they uh, pieced all this together. I, every, all the parents that I've talked to, They've raved about the way Cal built this roster. I know that we've talked to the same. What was parents. the fir- what was the first thing Dante Allen's uncle said when we brought up this? You know, we were just you know talking on the side about how good this team would be. He said, <laughs> "Man, th- they year. got some dude this year. Man, this is going to be a really good roster." Like he was hyping up this and, th- this and roster. Yeah. When we were talking about Terrence, Dante chimed in. He's like, "Ah, he's like, he's a combo. Guy. <laughs> That's he, a combo he, guard he, right yeah, there. He can do it all." <laughs> so it was it was neat to hear the excitement from. Devin Askew's father and Keon Brooks' dad. I've talked to him. Everyone is so ready. I actually, Devin's dad texted me yesterday and was like, I can't wait yeah. for these guys to get to campus. Yeah. And Keon's dad, I talked to him over the weekend. I, it's, it's good to get these guys back. Let's just hope everything goes smoothly. Uh, I'm assuming we'll, hopefully by the middle of next week, we should have, if everything goes good, they mm-hmm. should be resuming workouts. Well, what we heard, which – Credit to you, you know, we, we, we talked about that in the past, but you heard the same time I did about UK's plans to returning, you know, they, about returning on campus late June. We heard that at the same time, um, and it, they're, they're moving forward with it. One thing that really impressed me was that UK set this date back in the middle of May, I believe. So in the middle of May, they said, we're going to get these guys on campus late June. Tentative goal is June 20th, week of June 22nd. When are they coming on campus? June twenty eighth. Yeah. You know this this upcoming Sunday. Football, volleyball, obviously that was big for them to get back first because yep. those are the sports that will start in August. Mm-hmm. So then I think that was the thing that UK the basketball looked at. You know, let's see how this goes, and then let's move. And it's and basketball has an advantage. Yeah, I mean they're literally like fifteen paces. That was part from of where it. Where they sleep and eat to working out, and I honestly. Where all these guys are working out in different facilities right now, they're probably safer on campus. They, that's monitored, that's what right Brian there. told us. That's what Devin and, Askew's dad told yeah, us. So he said there's no 
there's no concern from parents on my end that I've talked to that have no concerns about sending their child out here. They actually think they're safer here. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, they are going to, you know, they're going to be in their bubble. The, the UK's goal is to, you are not going to go anywhere but the Joe Craft Center and your, uh, your dorm slash apartment right across the street. You're going to be in a literal bubble between two locations. Food is going to be brought to you. You know, there's no, you know, the snack area, the Gatorade snack area that they have, you know, those little things aren't going to be readily available. It's going to be gym, living quarters, and food being brought to you. That's all you're going to be doing in your time over the next several months. And let's say if there is, let's say there is some unfortunate news and somebody does get sick. They're, they're here where they get care around the clock. And if there is an issue like that, it can be handled. Yeah. And taken care of. I think there were some parents that actually said that that was mentioned on the call, I think. Yeah. That if there is an issue, they're right there on campus where they can get to UK Hospital, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm, seems like it's all full go. Think of it this way. What happened earlier in the year? Remember Johnny Juzang got really sick mid-year? He missed, what, three SEC games? Yeah, I think he uh, – I know for a fact it was after the Louisville game, wasn't it? Missed those first couple at Georgia. There was one more, yeah. Missouri maybe. UK never officially released what it was publicly. But behind the scenes, just saying on here, not going to say what it was specifically, but it was a very contagious – it was a very contagious thing. He was the only person on the team that got sick. I mean, that, that was the perfect example of when there is a player that gets sick, they Isolated. say, you are going away and you're going to lock yourself in your room. Like, See ya. Stuff through the door and everything. <laughs> See <remember>. ya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they know how to handle situations like this. And Cal, I guarantee you, conveyed that to these parents, said – we know how to do this. We bring in, you know, the the full cleaning supply guy. You know, what's the big brand? They they do a million ads everywhere on KSR and and everywhere. It's this, kind of sad we don't know it, that. It should be a oh god, what is it? Um, god, it, I'm, I'm in. I can't think of it. But they they bring in that big cleaning company and they spray it all up and down and and you know ensure that the place is the cleanest that it could possibly be all year long. Like they yeah, in, that, they insure it around flu season specifically. That's when they come in, in uh, in clean facility, it all up. That facility will be spotless and yeah. it will be cleaned after each and every workout. I guarantee it. Balls will be wiped down. Um, they'll be they'll be taken care of. And I, I think that's. I don't think parents have a problem with that because they know Cal and the staff. Mm-hmm. They have the track record. It's proven. They they put their players' health, safety, everything comes before the playing. And yeah, I, I feel like that. Every parent that I've talked to, like I said, they have raved about the way the staff has handled things. And I, I just – I'm excited to – hopefully we get some content coming this way. And oh, yeah, nice, wouldn't it, That'd be nice, wouldn't it, to have some interviews and talk about some things. And I just cross our fingers that we have a basketball season starting on time. We still have some time. That's the good news. Absolutely. Okay. Before we, before we end it here, give me your, your gut hunch. Where does this see, where, where does this team go in March – Assuming Olivier Saar is eligible, give me your what caliber team is this? Give me give me your early prediction. Way too early. If Jeff the Jeff Goodmans of the world and all the you know Jeff Borzells, all those guys, they, if they can have a way too early fill in the blank, I want Sean Smith to have his I, his opportunity I, as well. I won't go as far as winning a title because I think a lot of things have to play into that. Sure, but that's I fine. W- let's go. Let's go to the one point where I think Cal's best teams always get to, and that's the Elite Eight. 
if you get to that Elite Eight game where he has, what, 75, 80% of the time probably, you've got a chance to win the thing. Mm -hmm. I I think that this is a final weekend of the season team getting to that Sunday, Saturday Elite Eight game with a chance to get to a Final Four. And if you get to a Final Four, you're in the conversation to win it. The ball has to bounce in your favor. But it it seems like that this team, if Olivier Saar is eligible – the point guard situation is secure with Askew, Davion Mintz, and then if B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark are as good as advertised. I mean, this this team has all the makings to win the whole thing if everything goes in their favor. But just can't have an injury or something crazy. Yeah, and even if so, this is a team Cal has established ridiculous depth to kind of you know combat any you – know, what I really like about how he has constructed this team is that there's not a significant drop-off from Unit 1 to Unit 2. You you know, a Lance Ware is a guy that you're going to be able to trust to come in and, you know, throw his elbows around, bang a little bit, and, you know, you know grab grab a couple rebounds, put up a you know, couple putbacks. He's one of those guys, Isaiah Jackson. He's a guy that you, you, can, you can trust to catch a lob and, and, you know, block a couple shots like – even the guys that might have lower expectations, Cameron Fletcher, those you know, those guys, they're still guys that you very much trust to give some type of production. Yeah, you know, Cal always says you can't hide people here. Yeah. But there have been at times where they've had people that they've had to hide offensively. This team does not have those guys yeah. that you have to hide. And I, Without Olivier Saar, I would probably put it Sweet 16. So that's I think that's the – with a chance. Yeah. You, it all depends on draw, but you would be you'd be a team that relies heavily on just perimeter play, on young perimeter play. I, I feel like if they have Olivier Saar, they have the guards, they have a chance to win, get break this streak of not getting to the Final Four. I mean, at some point, I mean, we're talking 2015 was the last one. With the talent that Cal brings in, you have to think at some point they're going to get back there and be in the conversation. Yeah, I think I think to be in the, just the fact that this is another year that Cal is, has established a team has has put together a team that is in the conversation. Yeah. That is, that in itself year after year you go into the into the year going I can work with this. That like that in itself there's some other, you know, other programs in the country that they go into a year and they go Ooh man, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I just don't know about this team. Th- th- we haven't felt that about a Cal team in ever. I, yeah. I mean, have 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 we ever gone into a year? I mean, no, I know that I remember g- going into the Nerlens Noel year where we were like, man, Archie Goodwin's going to have to be fill in the blank. You know, Nerlens is going to have to be the superstar. What are we going to get from Julia? You know, you know there have been there were. I think that's the only team that we had legitimate questions of, and we saw the end result given the devastating injury of, you know, that side of things. But outside of that, from start to finish, I think the Cal area era has has brought in teams that have been able to compete. And I think that as a Kentucky fan, that's about all you can ask for. And, two, I get the frustration. I do. Yeah. Because, I mean, the way this era started, four Final Fours, five years, somewhere through there. Or right. What, I mean, you have a ton of success. You win a national championship. You play in another one. This program, I mean, these fans expect it. And I think yeah. that's the beauty of it. And Cal's never shot away from that. You think Cal doesn't want to get to the Final Four ever? Uh, Absolutely hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, that's when his guys get drafted. You go, you make a deep run, you send off six or seven to the NBA, then you restart again. I know that's frustrating. And I know that we've built build up uh, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark a lot on this episode. But I, I'm, it's, I'm fully confident. Yeah. I've been hesitant in the past to just pump players up, but I'm telling you, everything that I've seen from those guys and the 
what we've heard from other parents. Yeah. To everyone else has raved about those two and the work ethic. Surely, I mean, we've seen B.J. Boston running hills. He's doing something every single day, and his dad's pushing him. And I I just feel like that that's going to transition when you – you got to play. You got to want that when you come to a place like Kentucky. And I think the staff has a solid group of guys coming in that they can build on, and solid pieces coming back. Keon Brooks, sophomore jump, he's expected to make that bigger role this year. I, I'm excited. Absolutely. Now, let's we we can call it we can call it there. Um, Sean, love you. Appreciate you. You know, really really appreciate you jumping on and yeah, making the making the trek up to Northern Kentucky to watch this. Um, Tell fans where to find your work and what you got coming up, and and uh, you know pat yourself on the back a little bit because you you work your butt off. You deserve to to let people know what's coming. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity being on here. I always enjoy talking to you, and it was nice to actually do it in a public forum. Absolutely, yeah. we, we do this a lot on the phone. We do. Like, this we is do. a one o'clock in the morning conversation, <laughs> so it was nice to put all this into some audio. But uh, you can find everything at gobigbluecountry.com. You can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. I, had some website issues last week, yep. so it sort of killed work for five or six days. But I, I've got some stories ready to publish as this team's coming back. I actually spoke to Reed Travis recently, uh, Reed Travis, Nate Sestina, and Julius May. So I'm doing a graduate transfer story around Davion Mintz. Okay, And some awesome. advice from those three on what to expect about playing in a program that is tailored toward younger players. Yeah. So I think, oh, that's, that'll, that's be, cool. I think that'll be a story that everyone will enjoy. That, that's going to publish probably Saturday or Sunday. I awesome. might do it Sunday when they're coming back to campus. But, awesome. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I would love to do it again sometime. And you're, you're great, too. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You can find my work on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Uh, you can reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And with that, we will be back next week for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah,